no one likes to be hangry. At least, I sure hope not, because that would be weird. And if the term hangry is an unfamiliar one for you, it's basically a scary combination of hungry and angry. Also known as how you feel at 7pm when you're standing in front of the fridge after a long day and all you have staring back at you is a bottle of hot sauce and two slices of Swiss cheese. So you order takeout or delivery, again, shell out more than you would have spent on groceries and tell yourself that next time you'll do things differently. And this episode is dedicated to exactly that. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 68 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about giving you the practical, tactical tips to either start meal planning or to take your current meal planning game to a very delicious and time-saving next level. So in this episode, I'm covering three reasons why meal planning is such a game changer, what meal planning might look like for you so you can choose your own meal planning adventure, how you can get started with meal planning this very week, and the secret to making meal planning a habit you won't ever want to give up. And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and listening in the car while you're running errands or doing stuff around the house, who knows, maybe you're even on your way to the grocery store right now, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes from my favorite recipe box, my new dry erase board, and my go-to planner plus links to any of the resources I'll mention. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 68. I'm also sharing one of my most popular free resources all about, you guessed it, meal planning. Head over to the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 68 to grab Mastermind Your Meals. Mastermind Your Meals is a quick and easy guide to planning 30 plus meals in 30 minutes or less. This is the exact method I've used in the past, and it's especially helpful if you're starting a nutrition program like Whole30 or Weight Watchers, or if you're walking into an incredibly busy season of life. And finally, If you're like me and you hate grocery shopping, mainly because I always end up impulse buying things I don't need, then I invite you to head over to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash shipped, that's S-H-I-P-T, to save $10 on a shipped membership. Shipped is a grocery delivery service that helps you save time and money. We actually had shipped groceries delivered yesterday morning, and our shopper, Paula, was an absolute delight. I've also linked this up in the show notes, so you'll be able to find that $10 off your membership over there, too. All right, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. 
If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. All right, meal planning. Let's do this. If you're listening right now, you probably fall into one of three camps. One, you don't meal plan. Two, you're a diehard meal planner, curious to find out if you might learn a few new tricks to up your game. Or three, you've tried meal planning before, or maybe you do it every once in a while, but it's never really stuck. Well, no matter which side of the menu you're on, this episode has something for you. So let me kick us off by sharing three reasons why meal planning is such a game changer. First, no one likes to be hangry. Whether you're a single lady, half of a couple, or you're a busy mom, that feeling of being hungry and frustrated isn't a good look on anyone. And it doesn't feel good either. Trust me. I know. I've been there. When I'm hungry, I get snappy and short-tempered, so I've learned everything I can do not to let hungry turn into hangry. Plus, research conducted at UNC Chapel Hill found that hunger as a state actually causes a lot of shifts in hormones, brain processes, and the peripheral nervous system that are comparable to what we see in anger, fear, and sadness. So being hangry isn't just in your head, and fortunately, it's preventable. If avoiding the hangry monster isn't reason enough to start meal planning, having a plan for your plate helps combat decision fatigue. So this is the second reason why meal planning is such a game changer. You've probably heard me talk about decision fatigue before, but as a quick refresher, decision fatigue describes how we gradually make worse and worse decisions over the course of a day. Basically, we wake up with a gas tank that's full of decision-making ability, and as we make more and more decisions throughout the day, and by the way, I think the average is 35,000-ish decisions in one day for most adults, So as we make more and more decisions throughout the day, we use up that fuel, which is why most bad decisions are made in the evenings. And making a decision about what you'll make or eat for dinner in the evenings means that you're saving a somewhat significant decision for a low fuel time of day. So by using up your decision-making fuel in the evenings to decide what you'll have for dinner that night, you're using up even more of that decision-making power, which means you're even more susceptible to bad decisions later. Cue the ice cream with chocolate syrup and sprinkles at midnight while impulse shopping Instagram influencer posts from bed when you know you should just have a glass of water and turn off the light. Meal planning, on the other hand, enables you to make all of the decisions about dinner for a week or maybe two weeks, or even a month, all in one sitting. So you're able to be strategic about when and how you use that precious decision-making gas in your tank. And finally, reason number three, we can't talk about meal planning without talking about money. 
According to some quick research, the average cost for food for the typical American family ranges from 300-ish to 700-ish a month. And this varies based on cost of living in your city and the size of your family. I also found that the typical American single spends between $150 and $300 on groceries each month. And I pulled numbers for families in a few different cities across the country. So, for example, the average for Dallas-Fort Worth is around $320 a month. St. Louis is $350 a month. Houston is closer to $400. And Washington, D.C. grocery bills are around the $465 mark. So my husband Scott and I did the math a few months ago and found that we were spending way, way more than we should be on groceries. We're talking more than the DC level. (laughs) And even though we were meal planning, we found ourselves popping into the grocery here and there to pick up something we forgot and inevitably adding a few extra things to our cart. It is so easy to let food spending run away with us for several reasons. It's not like paying a cell phone bill where we make one lump sum payment each month. Instead, we buy groceries one week, we pick up a salad for lunch here, a sandwich here, a coffee there. Our food spending is scattered and all over the place. And when you're popping into the grocery store multiple times a week to pick up something, you can easily skyrocket your grocery spending without even realizing it. Like I said earlier, when I told you about shipped grocery delivery, I'm really bad about grocery store impulse buys and will totally toss a package of double stuffed Oreos in my cart, grab a few new kombucha flavors I've never tried before, and who knows what else if I don't have a set plan in place. Meal planning, even if it's just lunches or dinners, gives you the chance to do things like cook recipes that include enough for leftovers or plan meals that share ingredients so you're wasting less food. And if you're not a meal planner and you're thinking, ugh, I get it. I mean, this sounds good, but I like to be spontaneous. Sometimes I like to eat out. I don't want to be tied down to a meal plan. Then keep listening because I've got a few ideas up my sleeve just for you. So we've covered the three big whys behind meal planning. No one likes to be hangry. Having a plan combats decision fatigue and you can save on groceries. I'm going to throw in one more. Meal planning saves you time. This is a no brainer. It's less time spent staring in front of the fridge. It's less time spent making decisions. It's less time spent making multiple trips to the grocery store and less time spent answering the question, hey, what's for dinner? So let's move on to the what. What exactly is meal planning? At its most basic level, meal planning is simply choosing what you'll eat in advance. It's most commonly done on a weekly basis, but you could also plan a month's worth of meals in one sitting if you really wanna get next level. I've done this in the past the monthly meal planning, and I even created an entire free guide on how to plan 30 meals in 30 minutes or less that you can download over in the show notes for this episode. Those are at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 68, by the way. I found that planning out a whole month's worth of meals is especially helpful during super busy seasons of life or when starting a new diet or nutrition plan. 
When Scott and I did Whole30, which actually turned into Whole17 because we both got stomach bugs on day 17 and gave up, we planned meals for the whole month and it made life a lot easier. And even though we gave up on our Whole30, we kept up the monthly meal planning for a while. Right now, we're changing things up and planning two weeks of meals at once. This has been really helpful to us from a budgeting standpoint, and I'll tell you more about how that's working for us in just a bit. But like with most things, there's no one-size-fits-all meal planning method. And thank goodness, right? We all need to figure out what works best for us. Meal planning could look like just mapping out your dinners and letting your lunches be a little more spontaneous or free-flowing. Or you could flip it and plan your lunches, but be more spontaneous with dinner. And of course, you could make a plan for everything. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even snacks, if that tickles your fancy. And if you're someone who loathes the idea of being tied down to a specific menu, instead of choosing a set-in-stone dish for each night of the week, your meal plan could look like having recurring theme nights. This method worked especially well for one of my time management coaching clients. She chose a different type of food for each night of the week. Mexican on Monday, Tuesday was Italian, Wednesday a slow cooker meal, etc. And this gave her the ability to be creative and inspired with her cooking without starting from a totally blank slate. So, A few options you can work with. Planning for a week, a month, or maybe two weeks. Planning dinners only, lunches only, planning all the meals, or setting theme nights. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at annadcornick.com forward slash quiz 
and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So let's get into the how. How are we going to do this or how are we going to do this better? First, we're going to make a list. Then we're going to make some decisions. And finally, we're going to make it happen. Step one, make a list. Our very first step for meal planning success is to create a bank of our favorite meals. And no, it can't live in your head. You've got to get it out of your head and either onto paper or somewhere digital. You cannot skip this step. It is absolutely key to making meal planning work on a regular basis. And once you do this, it is super easy. Okay, so how do we make this bank and where does it live? Well, where do your recipes live now? Are they scattered across iPhone screenshots, bookmarks in your browser, Pinterest boards, and magazine tearouts? Well, it's time to get them all in one place. I actually have a cute little Rifle Paper Co. recipe box where all of our favorite recipes live. I put together my recipe bank by rounding up my go-to recipes from various cookbooks, from family recipes, my random magazine tearouts and various Pinterest boards, and I wrote them down on little recipe cards. Yes, this took time, but now everything lives in one place. And as I choose meals for the week, I pull out the cards and put them in this little recipe card stand thingy. It's got like a clip and it holds them up. I don't know what it's called, (laughs) but I put them in that little recipe card stand thingy on my counter. And after we cook that meal, the card goes back in the box. Easy peasy. And I'll be sure to link my recipe box and the cards that I use in the show notes. My friend Jenny made a recipe binder. She compiled all of her favorite family meals that, again, were living on various websites, Pinterest boards, and torn out magazine pages into a single binder that she can grab and thumb through whenever she sits down to plan meals for the week. That's genius. I love it. You can really take that idea and run with it, creating different tabs for appetizers or different types of food, like having an Italian section or a Mexican section or a soul food section. The sky's the limit. (laughs) It doesn't matter where your recipes live as long as they all live together and not in your head or scattered across a million different places. You want to create a one-stop shop to pull your favorites while you're planning your meals. Step two, we're going to make some decisions. First, I want you to decide when you'll plan your meals. Are you going to do meal planning as a part of a weekly planning session? So that's when we plan our family meals. After I review my calendar for the week ahead, I plan our meals based on our family schedule. If I've got an exceptionally busy week ahead with coaching or podcast interviews, or if Scott knows that he has to work late on a specific evening or two, I'll plan simpler one-pan meals or dishes that make a lot of leftovers. The slow cooker is my BFF. And if you want to learn more about designing your own weekly planning session, head all the way back to episode four of It's About Time. I'll link it in the show notes. And it's all about how to set yourself up for success with a weekly planning session. 
It doesn't matter when you plan your meals, as long as you decide in advance and stick to it. And I'm not saying that you have to plan your meals at 9 a.m. every single Sunday morning. My weekly planning session shifts around, but it's easier to be consistent and make meal planning a habit when you know when you're going to make your plan. Next, once you decide when you'll plan your meals, you need to decide what you're going to plan. Are you going to do all of your meals? Are you going to plan meals and snacks? Are you going to plan dinners only or weekdays only? Are you going to give yourself a floating takeout night each week or set some parameters for picking up takeout for lunch? For example, right now we have a rule that we can only pick up fast food or takeout for lunch once a week. And we're aiming to do takeout or dine out for dinner no more than twice a month. So it's more of a treat than something that we're used to. This isn't exactly a meal, but a few years ago when I worked at a PR firm with a great coffee shop within walking distance, I made a rule for myself that I could only grab coffee twice a week. Tuesdays, the day of our weekly early meeting, and one floating day. Otherwise, I would have gone every single day. And again, that adds up quickly, especially when you throw in a chocolate chip cookie or a cake pop on the side. Once you've decided when you'll meal plan and what it is you're actually going to plan, you've got to decide how long you'll be planning for. Weekly meal planning is probably the most common and is a great place to start if you're new to the whole meal planning thing. But one thing Scott and I found with weekly meal planning is that we got stuck in a rut. We were accidentally eating the same three to four things every week. And while it was super easy and saved us a ton of time, and we got really good at making those three to four recipes, it got really boring. That's one of the reasons why we moved up to monthly meal planning. Looking at the whole month at once gave me the ability to space out those go-to meals and make sure that I wasn't accidentally making the same things over and over again. With monthly meal planning, I'd scatter our go-tos across the month and then add in other dishes that were different but used similar ingredients in order to maximize our grocery purchase. I mean, how many times have you bought an entire bunch of parsley or cilantro when you only needed a little bit for one recipe and then you throw the rest away? Like, I hate that. <laughs> Monthly meal planning also inspired me to look for new recipes to try, pulling out my cookbooks and ripping pages out of Southern Living Magazine and once they became favorites, they earned a spot in the recipe box. Recently, however, Scott and I have shifted to planning two weeks of meals at once. And here's why. Basically, after running some numbers, we realized that we were overspending on groceries. By a lot. By an embarrassing lot. <laughs> we were sticking to our meal plan, but we were adding impulse buys and not really staying within a specific set budget. So now we set our grocery budget for the month and we map out two weeks of meals in one sitting, doing our best to strategize recipes with similar ingredients. Then we put all of our groceries for those two weeks into shipped and we check the price. If it's half or less of our monthly budget, we're good. If it goes over the halfway mark, we rework the menu and see what we can cut or swap to stay under our number. 
You can do this same method with a weekly meal plan, but we found that two weeks works pretty well for us when it comes to budgeting. Okay, last decision to make before we make it happen, and that's deciding where your meal plan will live. The go-to tends to be a dry erase calendar in a command center type spot or a magnetic tear-off notepad on the fridge, but there is zero need to wait for a fancy calendar or notepad to start meal planning. You can literally write it with a crayon on a sheet of loose leaf and tape it to the wall, and it's just as effective. The point is that it's posted somewhere that you and others in your family can see it. Our family's two-week meal plan has been living on the monthly pages of my daily simplified planner, which I'll definitely link in the show notes. It's a favorite. But in addition to it living in my planner, I would also write the meals for the week on a small weekly dry erase board in our family command center located in the back hallway. This way, I never had to answer the question, what's for dinner? Because it's posted up right there on the meal planning board. In our new home, we have a much larger back hallway and I've purchased a monthly dry erase calendar that I'll be using for meal planning moving forward. And I'll be sure to link that too. Really, whatever works for you, whatever you have space for, and whatever you'll keep up with. But you have to decide where it will live. Because if you put your meal plan in a different spot every time, you'll lose track of it, you'll get frustrated, and you'll give up. Okay, so let's do a quick recap of those decisions before we move on. You'll decide when you'll make your plan, what meals you plan, how long you want to plan for, weekly, monthly, whatever, and where your plan will live. And finally, step three, make it happen. Do your first or your next meal planning session. Make it happen. And then reward yourself with a treat. And by treat, I don't mean 12 impulse buys at the grocery, but choose some type of treat. And it doesn't even have to be food. Your treat can be watching an episode of your new favorite TV show or buying some sassy earrings or something totally different. But if you're new to meal planning, having an external reward is that secret that's going to keep your meal planning habit going while you're waiting for the internal reward to kick in. And buddy, that internal reward will definitely kick in if you stick to meal planning. Meal planning just makes life easier and you feel the benefits of it pretty quickly, whatever those benefits are for you. It could be the time that you save. Your internal reward could be feeling less hangry and more happy in the evenings with your family. It could be losing weight and feeling better about your body because you're making healthier choices in advance. Or it could be saving cash money because you're buying less takeout and delivery. If you've never meal planned before, I challenge you to give it a shot in the next week. Make your recipe bank and get after it. If you're a regular meal planner already, or if you've dabbled but it hasn't stuck, I challenge you to take at least one of the tips you've learned in this episode and use it in the next week to take your meal planning game to the next level. I can't wait to hear if you start meal planning or if you try something new to up your game and make mealtimes more delicious. Pop over to the It's About Time community. I'll link it in the show notes, but you can also head straight to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community to join the conversation. 
And as always, all of the details from today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 68. And while you're there, don't forget to download Mastermind Your Meals, my simple free guide to mapping out 30 plus meals in 30 minutes or less. Before we go, let me tell you a little bit about next week's episode, episode 69. In episode 69, you'll meet Katie Wusso, a business coach, finance teacher, and life mentor that teaches early stage creative entrepreneurs the foundational financial and business strategies they need to turn their passions into profits. In our conversation, we dive into why productivity is about so much more than crossing things off a list. So if you're a do or die list maker, you don't want to miss episode 69 featuring Katie and her perspective. And one last question before I officially go. If you know someone who could benefit and who would love to learn more about meal planning in order to save time, save money, and save their sanity, I encourage you to share this episode with them. Share the love, share the time savings, the more the merrier. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.